0: Well, Dak, here's the deal. I'm the best there is,
1: plain and simple. And nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a just a big, hairy, American winning machine. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kids stealing, wheeling dealing, in right! jet flying, son of a gun. Welcome into the Victory Bells podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Hey, guys. Oh, big golf, huh? All right on Red Raider Sports Radio.
0: Well, see you later.
1: And now here's Will.
0: Straight cash, homie. What is up, everybody? Welcome into this edition of the Victory Bells podcast right here from the Hypnotic Donuts studio and uh, Got a pretty important one coming up this weekend for the Red Raiders, people. And I know you guys are all excited for that to get here. Well, I mean, some of you probably are. I don't know about all of you after what happened last weekend in Morgantown and how the Cyclones have looked so far this season. Obviously, I think a much-improved Iowa State team that's playing really, really good defense for those guys and outplaying their talent, I would say, overall as a whole, I think specifically with their pass defense. Secondary looking good. And uh, held the last four opponents to ten total points in the second half, which is, I think, something that is is pretty you know impressive for that group compared to what Iowa State's been in the last couple of years. I think whenever you look at uh, you know what Tech's done in the past, obviously not last year with the disaster that happened in Ames last year, but I, I think whenever you look at what uh, what Tech did in twenty fifteen and has done in the past to this Iowa State defense, I think it's just very impressive and says a lot about what Matt Campbell and those guys are doing. But We're going to get into a lot of that and uh, really kind of try to break down some of that game, but uh, the first thing I really want to talk about, and and it's the first time this year that we've got all our major sports going on at the same time, and that includes the NBA getting started this week, and uh, as a Mavs fan, don't really know how to take that, if I'm excited about it or not. Uh, I think obviously excited about Dennis Smith Jr., and, and I think he had a great start, especially offensively. Defensively, some work to get done, but uh, excited about the future with him. The rest of it, uh, we'll see. Probably going to be a team in condition for a lottery pick, but I am excited about as a Mavs fan the future of this team. And no, uh, you guys really don't want to hear me talk about the Mavs, so that will be it. But I guess my point here is, basketball season is, is finally here at, at that level, and we're just a couple weeks away here from getting things started with the Red Raiders, and, and Chris Beard as these guys enter year two. So... With that being said, we had uh, Big Twelve, or excuse me, not Big Twelve, we had Texas Tech Basketball Media Day on Tuesday here in Lubbock, where uh, local guys like me got a chance to really sit down with some of these guys, including Coach Beard and and a number of his players, and really just kind of pick their brains about you know how things are going to the season and get an idea of of how things went in the offseason for his group and 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 what some of these guys went through as far as their story and their you know trials and tribulations through the offseason. So It's always fun to get to talk about that, and uh, it's a year that I'm I'm starting to get excited about, and really just wanted to kind of break some of that down for you guys first before we got into this weekend's contest uh, in Ames, but or excuse, in Lubbock against uh, Iowa State. But yeah, I I really just think that uh, this season, you know, you bring back a bunch of veterans and a bunch of seniors on this basketball team, and when you look at it, I think it's just a really good mix of players of. Guys that have played a lot of basketball for you, on top of, I think, a lot of talented newcomers, and, and I think what it probably is, and not even arguably, probably inarguably, the best basketball class that Tech's brought in in, in well over a decade. and uh, Some others would know more than me, but but from what I understand, maybe the best class that you've brought in in, in 15 years plus. So, excited about all those guys that are going to bring in, but you've got your veterans, you got your Keenan Evans, you got Zach Smith, you got... Uh, even Naeem Stevenson, who, for, who by all, all accounts, who I spoke with and, and uh, Coach Beard's talked a lot about, really had an awesome off season, and think that he really got a good perspective on some things. And It's one of those things where we saw him have a lot of success last year uh, whenever he was locked in, I think in that four-game stretch there. In the middle of basketball season, it started with with Kansas, and he played uh, Kansas, Iowa State, West Virginia in that stretch, and, and just thought he played really fantastic basketball. Was driving it to the hole really good, uh, and I think really opened up your offense in those games a little bit, and and really did something different that nobody no, nobody else on the team was really doing. So, you saw the flashes of his talent, and he got recruited by a bunch of schools. It wasn't like he's not a guy that nobody wanted. I mean, Kansas, he was the backup option for Josh Jackson for those guys. So. Obviously, a guy I think that that's that was very talented. You just haven't seen it consistently yet. So, you know, Coach Beer talked a lot about with him, and and he talked about with me how he just had to change some things. I think in his life and uh, change his perspective a lot, change his regimen. And I think he really has tried to um, you know just take a new uh, take a new look at things and, and try some new things. And, and I think from from what we've heard so far, it's it's worked out for him. So excited to see what he does. Uh, Then excited to see what we get out of Justin Gray, obviously, Norenz Odiase with all the weight he's lost and the job that John Riley and the strength staff did with both him and Tommy Hamilton as your two big men that I think are going to play the five there for you this year, and and I think both those guys kind of trade off minutes, so... Yeah, just a veteran group I'm excited for, and then a group of new, of newcomers, youngsters, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm excited for. Start. One, I think Josh Webster as a backup point guard. That's a good option for you. Then you talk about Jarrett Culver as as the local boy, and I think that a guy that's a superstar that's flexible. That and not a superstar yet, but I think a guy that has the talent to be that down the road for you to kind of be your staple guy and. Uh, good shooter, uh, just does a lot well. I think they think he's going to play good defense, and and he's just a versatile option. Uh, then you got Zaire Smith, who is a super athletic kid. I think a lot of people would tell you he's the best athlete on the team, including Zach Smith. I think that says a lot about him. And you've just got a lot of these new options, and I think you just got a lot deeper on this basketball team. So I'm really looking forward to this year and seeing what the Red Raiders do. They got picked seventh this week uh, in the Big 12 uh, preseason poll something I don't necessarily agree with. I think they're probably a fifth or sixth is where they should have been picked. I think they're going to finish higher than than really anybody else thinks, but uh, but I guess we'll ultimately see what happens. I, but uh, it's just a team to me that, that is just playing, or, or just not playing, but is going to play a different level of basketball than they have uh, in the past. I think other under... Uh, Tubby Smith or under Chris Beard, and I think a lot of that has to do with the depth and the athleticism uh, combined with the experience. And on on top of that, I I think you look at you know Coach Beard and what he's talked about and what these guys have talked about with their offseason and how everything has been focused on finishing, which was last year was I mean that was your biggest issue. You just couldn't figure out ways to finish these close basketball games, whether they be uh, in Fort Worth against TCU, in Waco against Baylor, in Austin. Uh, against Texas there's, there's just a bunch of these games you came so close Kansas in Lubbock there are just all these examples amongst that of you have late leads you have close games back and forth late and for whatever reason you just could not quite get over the hump whether that have been a talent issue a uh, discipline issue I, I just don't really know where to point pinpoint it because I think there were a lot of different things that didn't seem to go right for you in those last moments but I think that's been the thing that they've really focused on this offseason, and really everything's been driven by that. So we're going to find out how it's going to go. But if anything, this is a team that I expect that's going to score better, and I think specifically whenever you bring in the second unit uh, to rest the relievers with all these young guys you're going to have that are are pretty athletic and you've got some shooters in that group. And I think defensively you're going to play better as a group. And you you weren't terrible as a defense a year ago. I think your biggest issue was obviously – Three point shooting, and, and I think that's the one thing you you got to work on, uh, on guarding. Is I think teams like Oklahoma State and Iowa State and a few others really kind of had a heyday against you, uh, shooting threes, at least shooting threes whenever they needed them and getting them. And as more as I guess as athletic as this team is, I just think that's not going to be as big of an issue this year. But regardless, excited to see where things go this year. And what this team becomes uh, got an interesting non-con schedule, not necessarily at home, but but more so on the road. You go to uh, New York for a tournament where you're going to end up playing uh, eventually Northwestern, I would guess. It, it, once you once you win the first game in that in that one, and then you're also going to play Seton Hall in in, in uh, Madison Square Garden. Looking forward forward to that one, and then you got a trip to uh, a trip to South Carolina to take on the Gamecocks, which I would guess you know not even your hard not. Just your hardest non-con game, but I would guess will probably be one of your four or five hardest games you'll play all, all season long after uh, those guys made a Final Four last year. And I think Frank Martin and, and his his group are expecting big things again this year. So uh, going to have some interesting things go on in the non-con before you get to the Big 12. Curious to see how things uh, turn out in the conference overall because I think at the top, as always, you got Kansas number one. And I think West Virginia, you're clear number two as as a pretty West Virginia team, but after that, I think you can make a lot of arguments for what this league is specifically three to six seven, where you've got teams like uh, TCU, Texas, Baylor, Tech, Oklahoma as really kind of that next tier of of teams, and I think any one of those teams could finish third. I think any one of those teams could finish seventh, just depending on how things uh, pan out, but. To me, it's just a league of a lot of unknowns after the top two. I think you know at the bottom. I don't think you think Oklahoma State's going to go very well for them this year, especially with uh, all the FBI investigation, the the issues they have. They also have a new head coach. So to me, uh, they just got some problems missing a lot of guys from last year that went on to the NBA or graduated. So to me, Oklahoma State clearly at the bottom. I don't think uh, Kansas State's going to be very good. Iowa State is interesting to me, though, because – uh, it with Steve Prom as the head coach, he's kind of been, at least so far it's appeared, riding off of uh, of, of Hoyberg's coattails a little bit. Just still had his recruits. Uh, had Monte Morris in there, obviously, last year, who, I, in my opinion, was the best player in the Big 12 and should have won that award. But um, anyway, we're going to find out a lot about that team this year and how good of a coach that Steve Prom is. So, interested to see with them. But regardless, I don't think it's it, it's quite as deep of a Big 12 as far as the, the top-level difficulty as it's been. But the Big 12 is still going to be good at basketball, and there are a lot of teams with young talent like uh, Oklahoma, Texas, TCU. and then text one of them that's got a bunch of vets plus a bunch of new talents. So going to be a fun year in the Big 12, certainly. And the next thing that I want to get to with you guys and wanted you guys to listen in on was an interview I did one-on-one with uh, junior power forward Norin Sodiase, where I just wanted to sit down with him and, and really just ask him about you know his physical transformation. Because if you haven't seen a picture of him, he looks like a completely different guy than he has in the past and think he really wanted to lose a bunch of weight and ended up losing 60, 65 pounds, maybe a little bit more even than they wanted him to. But I think it really transformed him physically where uh, with all the foot injuries he's had in the past, I think he just needed to take off some weight to put less fresh pressure on his feet because I think foot injuries are something that can kind of haunt big men for a long time. So... Took a bunch of weight off, and I think he says that it really feels like it's helped his game out. So wanted to talk to him about that and get with him on his thoughts of where things are with this team going into the season. So here's that conversation with Norris Odiasi. First man, you know, you're looking a little slim and trim, so I know everybody's, you know, asking a ton about it, but uh, what was just that whole process going like and knowing it wasn't super easy, you're going through the the foot
1: deal at the same time, so what was that like just working with Coach Riley just to make sure you kind of lost the weight you wanted to? Man, Coach Riley really pushed me in the weight room to to get to where I wanted to be. I told him I had a plan for myself, and he was like, okay, uh, this, this, and this is what you're going to have to do, uh, set parameters each week, each day on what you need to do. And I was able to follow it. him and Chris – Chris Williams, our trainer, had they had a great plan for me to get me back on the court healthy and, and stronger than ever. And I feel like they helped me fulfill that plan. And me just listening to everything they have to do had a big part in it. Is that just a matter of, of discipline and just getting in a routine just just to try to get it done as hard as it might be? Definitely. <laughs> the number one thing is discipline, yeah. two, toughness, routine. You got to know a plan of how you want to get to wherever you want to get to. And it really helped discipline-wise. What's been the biggest thing you've noticed uh, on the court or just in general about how your body feels all the time? What have been things that just you're like, man, I never you know, felt like this way before? I win. I win. I can, I can go a lot longer. Yeah, uh, I can play a lot harder at, at longer times. Uh, I can jump higher. I'm just more active. Uh, it's really helped me just get off some dead weight, and it's really helped me on the court. What, uh, what was it like? Last year, I know obviously it, it, it has to suck just sitting on the
0: bench, and especially in a lot of those close games in the Big 12. When I know you wish you were out there helping those guys, but what
1: was that that just experience like? Just sitting on the bench a
0: lot of those games and just just not being able to do much.
1: Man, it was definitely definitely a learning experience. It was very tough seeing my team up in those battles without me. I wanted to be there for my teammates. Um, it's very tough, but it's it very telling. Told me about myself that I'm a, I'm a tough-minded person. Uh, it, it taught me about more about the game, able to see things, help me in my leadership, things like that. But it's definitely tough, and I wouldn't trade it for anything because I, I believe in God that He has a plan that's different for me and. I'm just trusting in him. So. Do you think that experience of, of sitting over there on the sidelines on games and, and not you know, not
0: like a coach but, but kind of like a coach mm-hmm. at the same time where you're just kind of taking it all in, yeah. do you think that helped your basketball
1: IQ and just learn a lot more about the game you maybe didn't know before? Definitely. I mean, when you're playing actively, you can't see everything. But when you're when you get a chance to step away from the game, you're able to see all the things the coaches see all the time and you're able to understand things better by watching film and seeing the guys do it. So it really helps what's uh what is it that you like
0: about this group of guys whether it be all you guys as older guys have been here forever the whole crop of new guys
1: what is it about the the group as a whole that you like oh hungry man they're energetic there's guys full of life there's guys willing to prove something everybody here has a chip on their shoulder Uh, we know the year that we had last year with these guys and and our guys coming back man we're ready to get to the tournament again and we just hungry for these seniors and hungry for our, you know, all our new guys. Just the energy around our program, it really helps. A guy that was here last year with you, but
0: nobody's seen him play yet, is Tommy. You know, what's you know for people that don't know what Tommy is, you know, what's what's it like playing you know uh,
1: around the basket with him, and just what's he kind of bring to the table for you guys? He's a big, he's a big tough, strong guy. I mean, he, whenever you're able to drop as much weight as he did Same, in the time that he did, it just shows his toughness. He's, he's a battler. He's he's tough. I can't wait to play with him. Uh, he's a tough body. He can score around the basket. He can shoot. He does a lot of things well. He'll help this team he rebound-wise as well, and just things like that. He brings a lot to the table, so we're excited. Same thing with uh, Malik as, as a young guy coming in, and you know, as the other you know major forward on the roster. You know, what's it been like seeing him as, as a young cat, and just kind of, kind of trick to figure things out, man? It's been fun. Malik yeah. is full of energy. He's full of life. He's never without a smile on his face, which I like. Every time, he's a great listener. Uh, he plays with energy and passion. He can shoot a little bit. He can re- re- He he rebounds. Runs the floor. He's a very active body defensively and offensively. So I'm really thankful to have him as a team. He he doesn't play like a freshman. So right, right. Uh, for you guys, it's kind of the the trio of, of guys
0: that are that are playing. You know, the four and the five. You know, what's that? Uh, you know, what's that like for you guys? And Zach playing the four, some too, obviously. But but for uh, you three guys specifically, as the bigger guys on the roster. Uh,
1: what's it like? Yeah, you, you know, like what are you the chemistry of you guys? And uh, what are kind of all trying to accomplish? In this yeah, uh, rebounding. Uh, we know we're below in, in rebounds last year, one of the uh, last teams in the league we are trying to get up to the top five in that aspect, and we believe with our energy and how hard we work in the film study and different techniques that we've, we've got from our different coaches, uh, it really helps. Uh, we have a, a group of guys that's energetic and hungry to win, and at the end of the day, we'll do whatever it takes to win. and Speaking of, man, there were so many close games last year where uh, it just came out of the wire. I know that some of
0: that's the nature of the Big 12 and how good everybody is, but... What has been the thing that y'all have talked about in the off season offseason, just learning about yourselves as a team? And you say, we got to do this, this, and this to really try to close the gap
1: in those late games. There's a lot of different things, but our main thing is finishing, finishing games. Uh, we do a segment of practice every day about finishing. We have wristbands finishing. Everything about our program is about finishing those games. So we remember those moments. Right. And if we can take everything that we study each day into finishing, they'll help in those games.
0: Once again, thanks so much to Norrance for taking a couple of minutes to uh, talk to me about where things went this off season, and uh, always a guy that I've enjoyed speaking with because he, he's well thought with his with his comments. I think he's also well spoken and, and just a guy that I think has a lot of perspective with what he's gone through in his career, injury wise, uh, what he's gone through on this team, and I think what he he decided to do this off season. So. A lot of fun to really talk to Norrance and uh, and really just pick his brain a little bit and, and just catch up with him. But before we go on, guys, I wanted to mention uh, our buddies over at Hypnotic Donuts. And if you didn't know, you know, those guys have have come in and, and decided to uh, sponsor some things for us. And couldn't tell you how grateful I am for that, for, for James, who is a guy that's been uh, on Redditor Sports for a long time. His, he you know, he's at uh, Throw Like Crazy is what he is, and... And he's a guy that it's been a long time guy on RRS and wanted to get in on, on sponsoring stuff for us and, and supporting Red Editor Sports. And, and can't tell him, you know, how appreciative I am of that. And once again, uh, those guys are located, uh, Hypnotic Donuts, that is. Those guys are out in, in Denton and Dallas. And if, if you're a fan of donuts, if you're a fan of chicken biscuits, uh, whatever, man, I think all the good stuff that uh, may not be great for you, but uh, I know one thing I enjoy it and uh, excited to go out there next time I'm in town. And uh, check out some of those guys' stuff. So if you live in DFW or, or you're rolling through, please check out our guys at, at Hypnotic Donuts. My man James, they'll hook you up. Uh, organic Donuts, just, 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 they do it the right way and uh, always excites me. And I know I've said this before, but I, I, I always like bringing on guys like, like James and what he's done because he just kind of took his own dream and idea and built it. And he's created, you know, I think from what everyone would say, one of the best donut shops in maybe not just... You know Texas, maybe in the country. So, you know, we're real excited for him and all the success those guys are having. So, so once again, guys, go check out Hypnotic Donuts if you get a chance to. So, let's talk a little bit about this football game this weekend. And uh, to preface it, let, let's let's first go back to the West Virginia game last week. So, I know I've written some stuff this week, and and I've I've tried to go back and watch the West Virginia game. I guess I've watched it all the way through, I would guess, including live. I've watched it four times now. And it's just such a weird game to watch because if you were to just shut off the tape at nine minutes left in the third quarter, which is right after Tech scores to make it 35 17 on Trey King's 30 yard run, you'd think that that was all she wrote and that that'd let the air out of the building, that West Virginia would pack it in, and that you were going to cruise to, I think, a you know a, a pretty lopsided win at that point and and a win that I'm there sitting there thinking that hey man you know milestone win for for cliff and these guys and and just a big win for your program and isn't this great for the future and you know affirmation of what you've seen progress wise from this team and just a big step forward uh you know for his program for the future and, and it just was you know i think so impressive up to that point and really figured since you you'd you held uh West Virginia to 17 at that point, that you probably were only going to give up one more touchdown with the stingiest Tech's defense has been in the fourth quarter so far this year for the most part. I, I just figured that that was going to be it. You know, that was all she wrote. But, you know, they, then things start going sideways. You know, Tech gives up a touchdown on the next drive. Then you march down and miss a field goal. Uh, you get another defensive stop, but then you go three and out. They score. Go three and out again. They score. Go three and out again. They score. And at that point... It's suddenly a 46 35 game in a matter of, I mean, in essentially the matter of a quarter. And I think everyone's just sitting around wondering, you know, what really happened. And, you know, going back and watching, and I think it's just a matter of defensively, you just started giving up some big things over the top you hadn't really been giving up for most of the day. And maybe some of that has to do with Will Greer and the Mountaineers, just knowing that at that point, down 18, you could just kind of start living on prayers and, and play a little fearlessly, which Greer throws it downfield well anyway, and he's got a bunch of good receivers, so why not? So I think there was some of that to it, but I think some of that of it too was uh, DBs didn't get quite get turned around. DBs didn't quite have the right coverage. You get a PI penalty. you get There just started being all these little nicks back and forth, uh, there's a first and twenty in there where Justice Parker gets a big PI penalty where, you know, they may not score and that may, you know, change the momentum whenever it's 35-24 again right there. Um then you switch over to offense and on the offensive side of the ball, you, you've been running the daylights out of it in the third quarter. I think you had over hundred yards in the third quarter. And then, you know, you, you start running some I think first off after Des Smith's interception is 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 where we kind of start with this with the three and outs because The drive before, you go down and you miss the field goal, and I mean, it is what it is. I think you had to give Barden one more chance, because I don't think you think he's going to go 0-3, and you lined it up in the middle of the field for him. So, to me, I mean, I I was fine with that field goal decision there, but I think that was kind of your first indication of this may not just go very well. So, it obviously didn't, and you just kind of left your head scratching. I think that might have been the final momentum boost. That West Virginia needed to get things going. So let's fast forward to the next drive when you get the ball. You get the ball after a Death Smith interception and you decide to go for it on a big play downfield, which I have no problems with. Zero problems with that decision right there. Uh you want to go for the jugular, you want to, you know, try to try to, you know, really end it, go ahead and do it. I, I just think that right after that you decide to pass it two more times, and because you did that and because you didn't execute, you give the ball right back to West Virginia right after they scored. And, or I guess with a chance to score and a chance to make it a one-possession one, one possession game, which they do. So we're 35-32. Get the ball back. We run it, and then we throw, and then throw. And here's the thing. I know you're running RPO plays right there, run-pass option plays. I have no problem with RPOs. I'm, in fact, I am one of the biggest proponents of them. It makes sense running one there whenever... I just think it makes sense running some there whenever you've been running it as well as you have. I think I like that idea. It makes sense but then you miss the throw, and then on third down, you know, you run around and you miss another throw, and then they get the ball back again, still 35-32, march down, take their first lead, and then you go pass-run-pass, pass, and, and you don't move the ball again, they get the ball back with plenty of time, so that, that's where this this thing goes south, is with your offense more so than your defense, I think, that you, the, def, the offense starts the, the downward shift of momentum, I think, and... To me, don't get me wrong, I have no problems with with passing it in some of those situations. If you want to pass it 50-50, run it 50-50, you know, right there in those situations, go ahead and do it, because I get that's part of your offense, but here's the thing. They're dropping it into coverage, they want you to run it, and you're just not... I don't know, I just think you're just not doing it. And I know that, you know, Coach Kingsbury said several times, well, didn't get very much on the runs we tried. Well, you really only tried twice, so... In my opinion, you've just got to pound it away right there. If you give it up and it's 35-32 after you've tried to run it some and haven't had you know much success, okay, you can start throwing it a little. But the thing is, I I, I just don't know why you, you after you had so much success all day, why you just decided to abandon that um, whenever you're rolling with it in the in the third quarter. I I just disagree with that decision right there and. Again, if you execute there and if Shimanek makes the passes there, there's several open passes, he there's opportunities he had to make throws and he's got to make those throws. But I think that's the thing you got to ask yourself is is it worth the risk in those situations when you have a reliable run game, when for the most of the day your defense has been playing well, is the risk worth the reward in that situation? Uh, when you have to complete passes, and it and passes in general are just lower percentage plays than run plays are. I mean, it's just just a matter of fact. So, to me, you've you've just got to change a little bit of that strategy, and I think maybe even not change the strategy. I, I think you can you can leave the strategy if you think Schiminick's going to complete the passes. But the biggest problem is is that he didn't, and I think he panicked a little bit there in the quarter. And don't get me wrong, I am one of the biggest fans of Nick and his game. That, that, that exists. I, I love it whenever he's playing loose, uh, whenever he's cutting it, cutting it, and he's just you know getting after it. I think he's got an NFL arm. I think he's got all sorts of tools that translate to the next level. But I think that there are times whenever it seems like to me, it seemed like this in the Houston game, and it seemed like this in the OSU game, and then it seemed like it too last week. And, and if I'm wrong, I hope he calls me out, and I hope he, he proves me wrong. Um, it just seems like that he tightens up a little bit and he isn't quite as loose and it seems to me he may be kind of worried about not making mistakes and I understand that it's a, it's his one shot it's his one year when he's really going to get a chance at this and and I get that but I think he's got to play a little bit looser and, and he can't abandon the pocket and he's just got to trust his receivers to make plays specifically Dylan Cantrell as a guy that this year whenever you've thrown in the ball nine times out of ten he's going to make a play so same thing with Kiki Cutie. Now, I think you got to get more production out of your ex-receiver, but that's that's a different conversation for another day. But I, I just think offensively, your run game is starting to work, and I just think you have got to start trusting it more. And you're going to have to this weekend moving to Iowa State. You're going to have to because they're going to do the same things that West Virginia did coverage-wise. They're going to run this cloud coverage. They're going to try to kind of umbrella you over the top uh, as, as far as kind of – not necessarily over the top. But they're just going to kind of try to umbrella all of your meat intermediate throws, all your bread and butter – and they're going to say, run it or throw it deep. And you're going to kind of have to do some of those things, I think, a lot of the times. You're going to have to throw some screens. You're going to have to run it. You're going to have to throw it deep. And you're just going to have to figure out some ways to move the ball that, frankly, you just didn't do last year in Ames. And it, they're going to give you the same thing again, and you have got to be willing to run the ball. And I think they will be, and I think that's going to be a, a big part of the game plan, uh, You know, I, I think based off what I know. So I, I think you just have to tell Nick, to trust his receivers, to trust his offensive line. And the guys are going to get open because he had plenty of time to throw against West Virginia. I think this offensive line is taking big steps forward. And you're just going to have to to trust that that's going to happen moving forward. So that, that's a big key for me. Now now moving on specifically to this Iowa State team. The funny thing is you watch them and there's nothing super dynamic about what, what they're doing. I, don't get me wrong, I like it. Alan Lazard, I think he's an NFL receiver. I like David Montgomery as a tailback. He really impresses me. And I think if he's on some of the, you know, more upper tier teams, I think he's a guy that, that might be one of the best running backs in the conference uh, as far as production wise. But I think part of the issue is he just doesn't have a great offensive line right now. And like I said, Iowa State doesn't make a bunch of fancy big plays. Uh, they just kind of dink and dunk it up and down the field on you, and they're happy to do that uh, as long as they're moving the ball up and down the field. Eventually, Lazard or one of those guys is going to hit a big one on you, but but it takes a while. They're, they're not one of these big play offenses as much like West Virginia or Oklahoma State or Oklahoma where they're just going to you know try to hit a bunch of big ones on you. It, it's just a little bit different, but they just don't make a bunch of mistakes, and that starts with Kyle Kemp at quarterback the last two weeks. think he's been um, – he he's made really good decisions I think and I'll say that I don't know what he is as a quarterback yet because we've just seen two games out of him so I don't know that you can really make a judgment exactly on on what he is yet uh interested to see this weekend how he does in Lubbock in his third start against a defense that I think is going to try to take away the run and and try to show him some different things as far as blitz packages go uh, or, or just different coverages and see how he handles it and uh, I think that if you can take away the run and really force him to make some throws, you might get him to make some mistakes. He hasn't made any yet, but I think he will get him to make, get him to make some. So I think that's just what it comes down to. Again, just take away the run and do that. And I think defensively, you're going to be all right. You may give up some, some, some big plays to Lazard. You may give up some big plays to, uh, Hakeem Butler, who's kind of their third down target. And you may let that David Montgomery loose a couple times, but, I think you just have to keep at trying to stop the run, and you've got to force Kyle Kent to beat you. And if you do that, I think you're going to have a chance in this game. So I think that really is what this comes down to: is that Iowa State is a team that doesn't make very mistakes. You know, they're not very flashy on either side of the ball. Don't, but they are playing great defense. I will say that for I think for the talent level they have across the board on that side of the ball, they're playing really, really good defense, and and uh, it's going to be hard to score on them. I think at times. So. What kind of scoring game is this going to be? I don't know. I'm guessing a 31-28, 34-27, 34-31, 38-31. We're in that kind of kind of territory, I think, with this contest. Uh, you hope it's obviously wider if you're the Raider Raiders, but uh, but yeah, I, I think that's where we're at with it. I think Tech's going to win this weekend, but they've got to come out and you got to play some mistake-free free football you got to force Kyle Kemp to beat you on on whenever you're on defense, and you got to be patient with the running game on offense. And I think Cheminic's got to play more within uh, himself, and, and he's, he's just got to be able to cut it loose a little bit more and not panic quite as much. So you do those kind of things, I think you're going to have a good chance this weekend. So once again, guys, thanks so much for listening to the Victory Bells podcast from right here in the Hypnotic Donuts studios. Hope you guys have a great weekend, and uh, happy homecoming.